0: fans and welcome to a brand new edition of cubs on tap you already know who i am you're probably sick of my voice at this point i am ron loose we are here on a cubs off day but we have a very special guest if you are familiar with cubs twitter you know exactly who's joining me today a uh, longtime friend of the program that's been we were just talking about it. it's been three years now since we've had him on the show uh a big round of applause and welcome to
1: everybody mr michael bowling sir welcome What's back up? we've missed you how you been I've been good, man. I've been good. It's It's been long overdue. Like you said, man, it, it feels like a fever dream thinking about what we were discussing in 2020 with I know. the pandemic and the shortened season and no fans in the stands. And I'm just glad that even though we can't do this in person, we're getting back on track, man. It's been great.
0: Absolutely. And like you said, man, even just the state of the team in the last yeah. three years, it's it's been an absolute whirlwind uh, that, you know, the Chicago Cubs and, and the fans have endured, man. But, you know, obviously, again, like I, I kind of noted anybody that's familiar with Cubs Twitter knows exactly. you're very you're very much a staple in the in the cubs twitter fan base uh but for anybody that doesn't know exactly i feel like everybody knows who you are but maybe not everybody knows everything you do because you're a busy (laughs) dude man so like tell us a little bit about you know what you do and kind of what you're up to nowadays
1: yeah for sure um so just for context i mean for any cubs fans that don't know i grew up rooting for the cubs and that's solely in part because of my mother and my grandmother so My grandma's a huge baseball fan, loved Ernie Banks, loved all those teams that just came up short. And my mom's actually born in the Dominican Republic. So Sammy Sosa is like a hero to me, you know, like he was my guy. And, you know, I I think that's probably another discussion for another pod. But um, no, yeah, I mean, I'm blessed to be busy. Like you said, you know, I, I do a lot of things. I work for Bleacher Report full time on the betting side. So. When you see the Cody Bellinger bets that I'm dropping on on Twitter, that's where my main focus is on a Monday through Friday, nine to five kind of deal. But, you know, obviously my job with the the social team at the Cubs is literally a dream. You know, I've got an opportunity to meet so many really smart, um, creative people over at Cubs and just Mm -hmm. assist with video content, whether it's on social, whether it's through partnerships, doing Q&As for some of the corporate sponsors Whatever they ask me, I'm normally available because it doesn't feel like work to me, man. I'm, I'm a diehard Cubs fan, just like everyone that I'm sure follows the show and, and yourself. And I've got a really unique opportunity to to do what I love for the team that I love. So I'm going to hang on to it as long as I can. And, you know, hopefully when they find someone younger and cuter than me, then I'll be able to <laughs> pass the baton. time. But I hope that's no time soon because we got some really fun stuff brewing on the north side, as you know.
0: Hey, absolutely, man. I'm right there with you. They'll 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 keep you on for a while, man. You're too good at what you do. But no, and and you know it's funny that you bring that up because we crossed paths on opening day. Yep. actually, this year I was, you know, participating in the old hashtag Crackham movement just like we like to do here at ONTAP Sportsnet at, a, at good old Murphy's Bleachers, and uh, all of a sudden I hear Rod and I'm like, oh, I know that voice. That's Mike. Where is? he? <laughs> <laughs> Turn turned around and, and you were doing stuff for the Cubs social team. And yep. so uh, a nice little a shout out appreciation, by the way, for that, uh, for Cubs on tap. And uh, that was a cool that was a really cool end product that they put out after the the opening day. And you kind of get and do the mini mic work on the on yeah. the street with all the fans. And now, nah, man, it, it's been cool to, you know, follow your journey and, and see everything. I mean, I, I still remember when we talked the first time and I think you had just started kind of getting into the, you know, like you're kind of cracking the door open with the Cubs and yep. the BR stuff is, is new since then. So like, yep. it's cool going from like, Hey, yeah, I'm a former baseball player. I'm just a big Cubs fan to like, now <laughs> you're like, man, I'm doing it. I'm <laughs> doing it. Uh, and it's not, it's awesome to see, man. And like, I, and like you said, absolutely. This is long overdue. Uh, we've been meeting me get you on for a long time. Uh, a big friend of the program here, but my guy like i talked to you a little bit before we started the show man we're just here to talk some cubs baseball it's an off Hell day yeah. um really disappointing series loss here with the mets i think that's maybe a good place to start we'll 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 make it get better and better as the show goes on we'll get the negative <laughs> out of the way early what did you think of this last series and what do you think is going through the minds of the of the guys in that locker room right now you know going into toronto
1: honestly you know it's two sides right like the, the the baseball player in me is like, they still got a ton of games left there. There's no reason to panic coming off one of the better stretches of the last few seasons, I would say, just the way that they kind of flipped the switch and decided that we're going to put this on our backs and we're not going to allow them to sell. And we're not going to let, we're not going to have this. Um, and then to go to New York and, you know, play a team that I think is probably much more talented than their record indicates. Now they had some trades that, Weaken their rotation, but definitely a team you should probably take two or three from. So I can imagine there was a little disappointment, but I think after like a 16, I believe it's a 16 game stretch of no off days. Today is a day that they're probably hanging out with their families, really enjoying what Toronto has to offer. You know, Strowman, if he's on the trip, he's got a lot of people there that mm-hmm. sort of loves and, and dears very closely. So Getting to just be out of the country for it, you know, obviously. And an off day where you can just kind of relax, get your body right, take your mind off the game. You know, I think sometimes it's better to have a loss and then an off day than a win because you feel like you're kind of killing your momentum when you don't have that. So I think they'll be all right. Um, I think we probably shouldn't have pitched to Pete Alonso as much as we did, but you know Facts. That's, what, that's what he does and you know he was a big reason why we weren't able to take two or three so you know as a fan is there some things i think we could have done differently sure you know on the player side i think they're really probably just enjoying this off day and really enjoying a day that they can just relax and then get their minds back on track for this playoff push
0: yeah 100 uh, percent. as somebody who has gotten the pleasure to venture to toronto uh That's an awesome city. If if no, if if people listening have never gone to Toronto, like plan a trip, even if it's not when the Cubs are there, not, I mean, the Cubs will be there now more often than probably ever before, but if you've never been, and even if they're just playing a team that you like to watch at some point in the season on like a weekend, go for a weekend. It's perfect. It's an an hour and a half flight from Chicago. It's like flying to Atlanta. It's super easy, (laughs) beautiful city. I call it like Canada's Chicago. Is really yeah. what I kind of consider it. It's it's a gorgeous city.
1: Totally. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why it mirrors what we have here in Chicago. There's a Lakeshore Drive. There's mm-hmm. you know plenty of neighborhoods, really fun bars, really fun restaurants. Like honestly, I went a couple years back with two of my buddies, uh, Jack and Nathan. Shout out to the boys. And you know my friend was moving. Out of the out of the city, it was going west, and we said, "Why don't we just take a road trip and stop in Detroit, see a Tigers game, go to Toronto, see the uh, the Blue Jays?" And it's one of the more fun trips I've ever taken in my life, man. It's a really great city. So, like you said, if anyone watching is is looking for a getaway, a a, a quick weekend getaway, just have your passport ready, and you'll have a really good time in Toronto
0: heck yeah, a big big shout out to uh, Trace Breast It's a uh, three <laughs> brewers. It's a little micro brewery on Yonge Street. That place was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I might I might go back to Toronto just for that place. That place was incredible. I'm sure fun. you
1: didn't crack any there, huh? Oh no, never, <laughs> never,
0: never, never. No, it was really cool though. Like their whole menu, they pair it with all their beers and stuff. So they yep. tell you what to order based on the beer, and it was super cool. Great place, but. um, Enough love about Toronto because for the weekend (laughs) at least we hate the Blue Jays because they're playing the Cubs. But, Mike, you brought up, right, the the stretch recently of just how good this Cubs team has been. And if I remember correctly, that eight-game win streak they went on was their longest since 2016, ironically. So it has been a long time since we've seen that hot of a stretch of Cubs baseball. I want to know just going way back, right, because ironically we were supposed to have you on before the season. Right. So this would have been us. What do you think's going to happen? What's this? <laughs> what's that? Now that it's hindsight and you can kind of see those thoughts that you had back in, you know, January, February, even into March. Kind of come to fruition now that we're tucked into August. What are some of the biggest like give me the two maybe top storylines that like you had a hunch about going into the season and maybe like one you were spot on you're like i nailed it i knew that was going to happen and what was one that you were just like i did not see that coming like where did this come from for the cubs
1: yeah i think the number one um you know there was so much spoken about the the shortstop market over the the offseason i'm gonna tell you one that i was really wrong about i really wanted trey turner i don't know why i think he he was just like a bat that I feel like really would mesh well with some of these guys and, and mm-hmm. really be able to hit well at Wrigley. And he's had his struggles in Philly, which I'm sure he'll come out of eventually. But sure. when we got Dansby Swanson at the number we got, I was not upset. I, I think that there was a lot of discussion about throw the house at Correa, which warranted very good player. Mm-hmm. And then the discourse that we were going to get no one was, you know, borderline annoying because so I'm like, this is our off season to get, our big fish, you know, like, and then we signed Swanson. And I can tell you what, as soon as we got him to sign on the dotted line, I didn't watch every ground ball that he took like Jed did famously, but I watched a lot of video on just the way he hits fastballs and the way he carries Mm -hmm. himself. And after that introductory presser, I'm like, this guy is going to be an unbelievable cub. And he's going to be the reason why this turns around. Not sure if it's going to be this year, but the culture, I think, was lacking over the last few seasons and I think this yeah. is the kind of guy that gets everybody going in the right direction and I don't think I could have been more right at that point I mean I think we've seen so much about just how well this team gels you know mm-hmm. they, they enjoy playing together they enjoy the ride and they enjoy staying in the moment you know I think it's really easy to and we've seen it over the last couple seasons you know oh, yeah. you the boogeyman is uh August 1st and you have yeah. to like. Prove to the front office that we're worthy of adding and not subtracting. And I think when you sign a guy like Dansby Swanson, who has such a great track record of success and winning, especially recently, Mm -hmm. he kind of helps you. He kind of helps nudge the front office. Like we're going to get this thing in order. Don't you worry. So Dansby has been a delight. I mean, obviously got to hang out with him at Cubs convention, really nice dude. And you can just tell he meant business. Like he meant, that this meant something more to him than collecting a check and playing out the rest of his contract. So that's one thing that I was really happy about. And then, you know, th- something I was surprised about, you know, I think the emergence of, of Al-Zali, um yeah. as a closer, you know, I have group chat with all of my buddies and over the last couple of years, we, we've seen him go from fringe starter to middle relief guy. And I think we were playing that game with steel and, and Keegan Thompson, who's obviously not here anymore, but, I, also, I thought had some of the best stuff and I never really saw him as a person who could shut that door in the night, but I mm-hmm. loved his energy, his energy, his, his fire, the way he kind of approaches the game. Yeah, It gives you closer vibes. So the fact that, you mm-hmm. know, whoever made that call, whether it was Jed, Carter, David, you know, whoever just like, let's give him a shot to kind of just let it rip. You know, you're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of success with that. And so that was a surprise. You know, I think we, we, probably all talked ad nauseum on Twitter about who's going to be the guy in the back end of the bullpen. We sign a guy like Michael Fulmer who's been up and down and things like that. Like, but then you give the ball to a guy who is a, a homegrown cat, really loved and ingratiated in this city. And you could see how much it means to him to close games for this team. And and we haven't had that frankly in a long, long time. So love to see what Alzelay is doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think selfishly, I, i've been boys with justin Steele for a little while now i was like i i knew he was gonna be the guy you know he he gives, he gives john lester vibes like he no other, and so i'm really happy to see his success but i, I guess i'll say the most surprising is just like the, the emergence of alzali and, and hopefully he can continue this uh this great streak that he's been putting together in the ninth inning
0: yeah uh justin a, a very noted friend of the program as well yeah. we're, we're big we've been calling him an ace since like halfway through last season and then everybody yep. uh Everybody decided to, you know, just come on in and all of a sudden we're like, oh, yeah, we knew it was going to happen. And it's like, come on, (laughs) we've known about this for months now. No, but I love the points you brought up. I really think, you know, at least for me personally, and I think a lot of the other Cubs on tap guys will say this, the Cubs convention this year, I think really kind of built the excitement for this team. Like, I think a lot of people knew what was coming, going in. I think people were excited. They were like, oh, we went out and got Cody Bellinger. Like, that's a pretty legitimate move. Like, even though he's kind of a reclamation project, like, that could pan out really well or it might not pan out really well. Same thing with Swanson. I think people were excited about him. But I think it was once you heard them speak at Cubs Con, like, that's when it all kind of clicked together, right? Because all of a sudden you were like, oh, wow. I like what Dansby's got to say, that edge that he brings, that competitiveness – you know, and And then even just hearing from guys like Cody Bellinger and how they carry themselves, like you said, I think it really did kind of, I don't even know, I want to say necessarily change the fans perspective on a lot of these guys, but I think it, it either validated or it furthered the excitement about these guys yep. for a lot of people and myself included. I agree. I think Dansby's been the best. I mean, statistically, he has been the best signing. Absolutely. The major shows, which you can never go wrong with. And I, I think that was something that we were excited about here, too. It comes on tap. But absolutely agree with you on advert. Right. And I, I think that's I was thinking about this the one day. And I, I think you'll appreciate this, Mike. Like. You could easily make a, an hour long documentary for every baseball season, for every team. Totally, Not hard. There's so many storylines that evolve. When you look <laughs> back in hindsight and you're like this is weird. I remember when this guy was doing this at this point in the season, you know what I mean? Like there's it's so ever evolving and that's kind of the beauty of baseball is it has the length where you get it a little bit with basketball. You get it a little bit with hockey because of the length but baseball because it's such a marathon that it literally can feel like for the Cubs this year has felt like two different seasons, 100% (laughs) April through, you know, mid June and then mid June to now. And what you mentioned with advert right coming into the season everybody's talking about they have multiple guys that can give you multiple innings out of the pen right like you mentioned keegan and Adbert, and you know fulmer's the the first guy getting the shot at closing and it's going to be boxberger setting them up right and then just to watch that entire situation kind of get flipped on its head probably five different times ultimately for Adbert to assume the closer role for you know guys like Julian Merriweather to step up and become a high leverage arm Fulmer to kind of find his niches that like yep. get me out of a bad situation kind of guy is mm-hmm. really what he's kind of taken on and then they've you know Javier Assad I you know I remember watching him throw on opening weekend and getting absolutely beat up by the Brewers to looking like the guy we all saw in the World Baseball Classic
1: Amen. Hey, he shoved in the World Baseball Classic yeah that was
0: awesome to see He did. And so, you know, it's just really cool. And I I agree with you there. I think that has been a big surprise. Speaking of, I don't want to use the word surprise. (laughs) I'll call it overachieving. We have to talk about Cody Bellinger because people I think knew that like he was going to come back and be better. I don't think anybody realized he was gonna be this good (laughs) like it's just let's just call it what it is yeah you saw that start to happen early on in the year I, i i vividly recall kind of entering you know late april early may he was kind of the catalyst of the lineup you're like oh okay we can see it now we can see it now and then he gets hurt in houston everybody's like man and then they you saw them fall apart they couldn't get consistent offense going. He comes back and he has literally been like the hottest player on the planet that's not named Freddie Freeman. Right. <laughs> and it's been incredible to watch because, you know, I feel like as Cubs fans and just really anybody that's in the in the sports landscape, not just in the baseball landscape, if you live east of the Mississippi River, you very seldomly see West Coast games. 100%. Unless it's football. Football is probably the one sport because of the time variations and things yep. like that. But like I don't watch a lot of Angels baseball. I don't watch a lot of Dodgers baseball. So like you knew how good Cody Bollinger was. I didn't know he was this good though, Mike. Right? And it's been fun to watch, man. It really has. So just like, I mean, what if what have your thoughts been watching Cody's just kind of, you know, looking like himself again, looking like the
1: elite player he was just a few years ago? It's incredible. Um, first things first, he's made uh me a lot of money this year, candidly. Cause we love that. When you when you when you have a guy who was an MVP, was a silver slugger, was, you know, highly touted and, you know, a winner showing up in the biggest stages. I remember that home run he hit in the COVID year Mm. against in Texas when, you know, they were playing in the world series. Like there was just something about Cody Bellinger at that signing, you know, having the familiarity with his old hitting coach and like, you know, just being, being able to start new. We, We all talk, you know, I feel like it's a, a broken record when somebody gets traded, it's like, oh, he just needed a change of scenery. Like sometimes it really works. And I think it really did work for Cody. I think Cody's success came when he was really young and he hit some adversity, which a lot of people probably don't hit, even just in general in life until you get to like 30. He hit that pretty early with the injuries and then another injury and he never really kind of got right. And I'm with you. I, I was really excited when we signed him at the idea that, This was a former MVP, Gold Glover, someone that has pedigree that can help teach some of the younger guys or projects that we have and just solidify our defense. You know, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, if Cody can't hit the way he hit when he was the MVP, but he can play some really good center field and contribute wherever he can, I think it's a win. Mm -hmm. Certainly he's gone far and beyond that. I mean, like for the last two months, just like you said, with the exception of Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson. He's easily the top three hottest hitter in the National League, and maybe the game. Like, and I could just see, and and this is like, I'm not trying to claim I was like that good, but you could just see how comfortable he is, man. Like he he's rarely rattled. I think part of it is just his demeanor, and some people can take that as like, well, man, maybe Cody just doesn't care, you know? Like he's got that kind of stoic look where it's like nothing phases him. Everybody he calls him a stoner. Me, yeah, yeah. And, like, it <laughs> reminds me a little bit of, of, of like, Chris. When Chris first came up, yeah. if he wasn't smiling. It almost looked like he was frowning because he smiled so much. Like, Cody's not, mm-hmm. like, a big smile guy, but he's always locked in. You can tell. And you can just see how comfortable he is in Chicago. And his at-bats are very, very much like, I know you're not going to throw this by me. I just got to, you know, hit your mistake. And yeah. He is just making people pay. The big thing about Cody that has changed over those over these years, though, and his time in the, in the Cubs organization is he's just getting on base, man. He's mm. not swinging for the fences every time. If he's down two strikes, he's not really choking up, but he's just trying to put the ball in play. I think the shift rules are helping him a little bit. There's sure. not a lot of shift on the right side. But if you look at his spray chart, I think I looked a couple weeks ago, like hitting a lot of balls up the middle hitting a lot of balls into the right center gaps. So he's just a guy who's locked in right now. He's comfortable. I think he loves Chicago. I think he loves the stage that is Wrigley field. And I hope to God that we can have him for another five to seven years, because when you got a guy like that, who's just so locked in, you know, I think it reminds me of the year we had Nick Castellanos, um, Mm. after the deadline and he was like, man, it's just so good to be somewhere where like winning matters. Like, Mm-hmm. Guy was the hottest hitter on the planet. And I think I tweeted this, like, Cody Bellinger's exceeded what Nick did in that year. And Which he was, nuts. like, absurd that season. So, yeah. um, like I said, I, I hope he can stick around a long time. It, it kind of seems like those conversations have started to happen behind closed doors. And, yeah, I mean, if he can play at this level or even a little beneath it for the next handful of years, we're going to be in a really good spot.
0: Yeah, Jed's shit ass grin when saying how much mo- <laughs> Cody knows how we feel about him. Good. He should know. You better let him know how you, you feel about him. Every hope every it, morning, yeah, like, good I, I good hope morning, it includes dude. a lot of zeros. Yeah. Lots of zeros. Yeah, you say good morning, and just said it, instead of O's, it's just like nine just zeros. Add another one. Good. Yeah, just keep adding another one. Just every time he does something good. No, I'm right there with you, man. Like, you know, you know why I think a lot of people underestimated Bellinger coming into this is because of another guy that you just brought up was the Chris Bryant thing, right? That former MVP. Mm. You've seen him at their best, but can they ever get back to that point? Right. And I think that gave a lot of Cubs fans a little bit of, dare I say, PTSD in, in a sense totally. right? of just like that. Uh, is this going to work? Like, is he going to, he's probably never going to be as good, but like, can he at least be okay? Yep. He's Especially. been almost as good. I mean, you look at it, his average is better than it was that MVP year. At least as of now. Obviously, that can change. But True. you know, he's a three hundred five hitter. I think his MVP year. He's what three thirty one right now, or three thirty. Bananas. Crazy. I brought that up on. The, I brought that up on the on the Cubs on Tap show the other night, Mike. I was like, when was the last time we saw a, a Cubs hitter at any point this late in the season have a three thirty average and like a nine thirty OPS?
1: So I wild. can't remember. <laughs> it's val- so valuable to have a guy like that though in the middle of the lineup just specifically to get our, the rest of the guys going, you know, like the the other night when we were down one, nothing or whatever it was, and he pops the Homer. And it's like, I think Ross said in an interview, he's like, okay, kind of relaxed everyone. And everyone was like, all right, let's make something happen. Like when you have a guy like that, who's going really well, it does so much for your offense. And he's, he's just epitomized being the catalyst. Like he he's hit anywhere from, fourth to like sixth but he's always Mm -hmm. been consistent and like if there's runners on he's either going to move them over he's going to drive them in and he's just been a mainstay so like you said man like his numbers are are probably a little better at this point than it was in his MVP season and I know he missed a lot of time so he's not qualifying for a lot of those those statistics but if we had no injury we'd be talking about a potential top five top seven NL MVP candidate now Ronald Acuna is going to run away with it but Sure. It's been a long time since we had a guy like that on this roster.
0: Yeah, it, it really has been. He he's been a load of fun too. And oh, Mike, I'm just if if they don't re-sign him, I'm
1: gonna cry. I, like, a I wouldn't little worry baby. too much. I wouldn't worry too much. I mean, I think the most important thing about Cody and his value is he can play multiple positions at a gold glove level.
0: Absolutely. Jed
1: and and Carter and the front office have been banging the table about defense and we're seeing the benefits of that you have nico you have happer you have swanson solidifying those kind of gold glove types you have to have a guy like that in center field and it also really could benefit bringing along pca i know we may talk about prospects later but when you think of a guy who already could play center field in the majors tomorrow You pair him up with a guy like Cody Bellinger. He can learn those small things from him in spring trainings. If they're on the same roster, obviously Mm -hmm. those things help. And Cody Bellinger eventually could move to a corner outfield spot. He can play first base. We have the DH. So we have that like mix and match kind of opportunity. He's just too good a player to let walk out the door, especially having his reclamation season here. We would hate to have him find that secret sauce again and then go play for someone else. So my, I, I'm a betting dude. I'm gonna bet that he'll be a, a cub when we're when we're talking next year. But you know, we'll see. I, I'm really confident that Jed is is a guy who thinks that he can be someone that's a cornerstone for this franchise for the next you know foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the craziest part too with Bellinger, like you mentioned, Mike, is his age, right? Because you know, it's very rare that superstars at the level of a guy like Cody Bellinger who. You know, like you said, was already an MVP at age, what, 24? I think yeah. was his MVP year. Yep, Experienced a lot of early success and then teetered off a little bit and needed to kind of find it again. And just like you said, now that he's found it, you don't want to let that go because he's entering yeah. his prime. He's 28. Yep. 28. That's, that's the craziest part. You get him on a five, six-year deal, he's in his physical prime as a human being. Yep. And this could be more of what we see. And just like you said, right, he's valuable in the sense of, of the future development. And I definitely want to pick your brain about prospects. Now you, you said the <laughs> light bulb off in my head, you know, he, he could help a development of a guy like a, a, a P crow Armstrong. He, the, the, the versatility, I think the DH and the NL is is the best thing for the Cubs because it gives you just another place to put these great bats. If, yep. you know, if, if you're four outfielders next season at some point are Cody Bellinger, Ian Happ, Seya Suzuki, and Pico Armstrong. It's pretty solid, man. You just you just play merry go round all day <laughs> long with those guys. Yep. Whoever's not playing the outfield that day is the DH. Keep yep. it moving, like, because they're, they're all that good. Well, assuming Say can get right, which the New York series gave me a little bit of hope for that. But yeah, I mean uh, he's he's been incredible. Uh, my boy here, Mr. Rakota, uh, he's betting, dude. <laughs> he, he's, he's already recruiting you for an on-tap bets show, Mike. I'm so, so uh,
1: ready, Joey. I'm be ready. On the lookout. To, you can hit me anytime.
0: Be on the lookout for that. An earlier comment as well from our boy, Jake Bunowski over at Does says uh, he felt zero trepidation. Man, you guys with these 25-point, like, Scrabble words today, I love <laughs> it. Uh, he says when Burt came in in the ninth, he says his boy's nails. Mike, I mean, there, there's so much, there's so many fun things to this season, right? One of, you know, two of my favorite players are, are Stroh and Steele and I I want to just get your your thoughts on how you feel about the team. And cuz I brought this up and this is what kind of prefaces this conversation or this question because I was leaving Wrigley on Sunday, okay? Was there for the the beautiful win over the Braves, secure that series victory, keep it moving. And there was a guy behind me leaving the uh, the restrooms and the bleachers, right? And that absolute mosh pit that it becomes after the
1: game.
0: <laughs> and I heard him talking to his buddy, and he's like, man, this this team feels like 2015. He's like, this team, mm-hmm. the like the, next year's the year. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, no, this is nothing like 2015. It's its own singular thing. Like, every team has a different vibe, right? Like, totally. I think of last year's team. You mentioned the defense in center field, and immediately my brain went to Rafael Ortega. Right. Like that's just it shows you how how you're in and you're out. It's a completely different storyline. And my thought is 2015 is is its own thing. Right. Like it was a year of this promising youth and a team that overachieved sooner than we ever expected. A hundred percent. And then did take it that step further in 16 and kept it moving. But then we saw what happened in 17 and 18 and 19. And this team eventually tailing off into the – I call it the great sell-off of 2021. <laughs> this 2023 team to me is – it's almost its own enigma. Because you, you start out the season with all this promise, that at least within the Cubs fan base, right? It was probably very siloed. Yep. But people were excited. Everyone's like, this team's got potential. Like you could see it. It was – Yes, a lot of things need to go right. But if they do, this team's going to make a lot of noise in the NL. And we got the glimpse of it in April. And then that brutal month of May came along. Yep. And then they played 500 ball in June. And everybody's like, man, this team just, they were that close. Mm -hmm. And then they turned it on. And now you're starting to see what this team plays like at their best. And it's kind of crazy. It really is. and It's just, it's. It's become this, this, its own enigma. It almost feels like, dare I say, the the Nationals in 2019 getting hot at the right time or you know the, the Braves doing it in 2021. Not saying the Cubs are going to go on and do that. I'm not that risky of a better, at least personally myself. <laughs> but you sit here and you start to wonder that kind of what if question because it feels like they're putting it together at the right time. So yeah. I just, I want to get your just, what is your feeling, Enigma-wise, of this team? What is this 2023
1: Cubs team to you, Mike? Well, it, it's funny. I, like you mentioned off the top when when we kind of did that video uh, on Opening Day, you know, I kind of just was asking people for their favorite Opening Day memories and then mm-hmm. what they thought of this 2023 team. And I think the thing, the answer that I would have given, and then I was given most was they might creep up on some people. We might be sneaky good. You know, we've got some players that have pedigree. We have some guys who are trying to find themselves here in a situation where they know they're going to have the fans behind them every night. They know that the fan base is going to be locked in. They know that the the lights are going to be bright every night. And truly, I I agree with you. I I can't compare this team to 2015 because for a lot of reasons, that was like the beginning of the golden era. And Mm -hmm. we didn't know what we didn't know. That team – was scratching the surface of homegrown products, taking the stage, taking the reins of the city, and then captivating the world. So while that was a really fun season, I can see the parallels that someone might take, but this is completely different. This team is not built on the three-run homer. This team is not built for slug. You know, That's not how it was constructed. Mm-hmm. This is a team that was going to pick it. They were going to play great defense. They were going to hopefully pitch. We saw a lot of great pitching from Stro early. I know he's had some injury. We saw the emergence of a guy like Justin Steele. When you're talking about that 2015 team, you're talking about the John Lackeys, the Jason Hamels, the, the John Lesters. Yep. These are wily veterans who know how to get it done. So you could see how much fun this team is having because they're young, they're fast. They play defense. And I think the number one term that's going to define the season is resiliency. Just like mm. you said, they had a really great April. They had a terrible May. They scuffled in June. And when the pressure was on the most, when it was like we're either going to buy or we're going to sell, they played the best baseball. There's so many games in this season where early we lose the one nothing game. We lose the 3-2 game. We can't seem to get over the hump. I remember the Marlins series. It was like the Marlins are yeah. 20 games by one. And it's like, we just need to scratch across one more run. And then now you're starting to see it where we're coming back against the White Sox down seven to two in a game. You had to have, you're Mm -hmm. making the Talkman catch against the Cardinals in games that you had to have Hell, even the game that, you know, after we get beat by the nationals and we're, we're down early, they come out and just pound them for what it was 17 runs or whatever yeah, there's no quit in this team. they 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 have a belief in that clubhouse that every game they go out there, they should win. They know that they can win games, especially in this division, and they played their best baseball against the best teams in the entire league. So I think it's one of the more resilient Cubs teams we've seen in the last decade. And that's how I'll define the season. You know, if we don't make it, if we if we make the playoffs and lose in the wild card, I'll tip my hat. I don't think anyone in the world had us as a shoe-in playoff team. I'm an optimist and a homer, so I put my money on it, so hopefully I can catch that. But truly, I think the expectations coming into the season were maybe we can creep up on some people, but we're definitely going to have some more fun this year than we had in the last three, and that's what we're doing. And and I love that it's showing on the field. These guys love mm. playing together. They love winning together. They're never too down when they're losing. You can hear from the comments they make in the clubhouse, listen, th- you chalk it up to the game. We're going to come back out and play hard tomorrow. And I expect them to have a great game against the, the Blue Jays as a result. You know, every yeah. feel like every time they get their backs against the wall, they come back out swinging.
0: Yeah, and uh, resiliency is such a great word too, to describe this team, right? Because like you said, they 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 do love playing with each other. And they made that very evident right around when, like, I'll call it D Day was coming, yeah. right? Where it was yeah. either we sell or or we go for it, <laughs> and they said we are not ready to break this group up. And they said let's let's come together, let's get the job done. I, I remember sitting here on that Sunday night before that that week coming up with the socks and the cards, and saying, "Okay, they've got to win five of six, and they're there."
1: And then and- at the least, you got to win four of six. Right. But anything else, it's Ex-
0: over. Exactly. And you and I were both at that that second game against the White Sox when they came back from yep. down seven, two. I mean, it, it was just it was so that was that might have been one of the most fun weeks of baseball that I can remember in years. Especially in the regular season. Yes. No, yeah, God. yeah, yeah. Playoffs no, aside. God. Yeah. It was incredible because, like you said, it felt like every game had a hero. Somebody did something that made you just lose your mind whether it was a great pitching performance, you know, whether it was the talkman catch, you know, whether it's the, you know, the, the crazy rally against the Sox, And then, you know, kind of the cherry on top, the back-to-back yep. homers from Happ and belly. Yep. Like everybody just did something to get them through that stretch. They get the five of six and then they turned it on. Then yep. they go get Jamer. Then they go get, you know, Jose Quas. And so now it's like, damn there, this team can really, really go far. I do want to pick your brain, Mike, just really quick uh, on a little bit of the prospect stuff here, and then just talk maybe a little bit of what you expect for the rest of the season. Um, just a really quick comment, our, our faithful listener and good friend of the program, Mr. Scott Crawford. Uh, he'll he'll say it. The Cubs are going to win the World Series this year, Mike. I, uh, I
1: put my money on it, Scott. I put twenty five bucks on them at sixty to one. Um, I don't see why not, man. They proved enough to me after that. You know, like you said, that week told me a lot. They knew the pressure. They exceeded expectation at that moment. They play in the moment. So I, I said it in a video. If you got pitching that's solid enough,
0: mm-hmm. you're going to play
1: defense and you can get some timely hits. All you got to do is get in, man. That's it. We've seen it with the Phillies. They made a run all the way last year and they came up a little short. But like you said, the Braves, the Nats, there's precedent there. And all those teams are great defensively. They pitched well and they got timely mm-hmm. hits. So I, I'm with you, Scott. That comment was awesome. That just fired me up, man. <laughs>
0: hey, I'm I'm right there too. Like
1: I, I sit there
0: and I every after every game, especially lately, right? I like go to the ballpark and then I leave after like a win, and I'm like, what if? Just like <laughs> what if? No. You know? Because I've I've never, at least personally, I've never been to a playoff game, mm. game. I know a lot of my friends have. I never have. So like, and this was the first year. Shout out, Mister Rakota. He got called for season tickets, so we have a you know group of us in on on season tickets. So it's like, what if? Like, yeah. it would be insanity to just imagine what that looks like at the end of the year, man. So I'm I'm right there with you. The just this stretch lately has me all fired up and <laughs> all fired up about the Cubs. But Mike, quickly on the prospect idea here. Just just want to tickle tickle your fancy with this because. You know, uh, prospects are such a fascinating thing. They're such a fascinating game. People, you know, oh, this guy's a surefire, no doubter. You know, we we want Billy Bean. He's he's a five-tool prospect, and then he never pans out in baseball. Like, it, it really is a crapshoot at the end of the day with prospects. And obviously, I think the closest thing that we've had to a surefire prospect in recent memory is probably PCA. Yeah, probably the closest thing. At worst-case scenario, he's a decent you know, solid major league hitter. He's a gold Glover in center. And he, he's, he's going to give you Javi esque, you know, plays on the base paths. Cause the dude's just, uh, I, I wow. think there's a little something screw loose in his, in his brain <laughs> or just the way he plays, love which that. is awesome. I love that too. But like in your eyes, you know, maybe a PCA aside, like what's the one prospect on the, in this farm system right now that gets you excited as like a guy that you think can legitimately come up between, I'll say now in the end of 2024, that's really going to make a difference on this roster. Not just like come in and fill a, you know, like a, like a Mike Talkman type spot mm. where you're a fourth outfielder. Albeit he's played incredible, but yeah. like who, who's that guy that comes in and is just like a staple
1: in Chicago for the next 10 years in your, in your eyes. So I, I would normally go on the, on the hitting side. I mean, I, I've, dissected a lot of hitters especially of our prospects um, because I'm really high on the Owen Casey's of the world um, and I think he can be a really really good bat. you know I'm really high on Mervis still I haven't given up on him I think everyone's <clears throat> maturity at the at the major league level is is not linear so you yeah. know when you're talking about guys like PCA and Owen Casey and Matt Mervis we got to see what they can do when the pitchers make adjustments to them when they yeah. get to the bigs you know it's a big difference but my guy that I can't wait for, Ron, is I'm a Cade Horton guy, dude, through and through. Mm. I watched him pitch the College World Series a couple years back and yeah. was absolutely blown away. And like full transparency, the last time I saw a guy like that at the CWS and I was like, holy crap, that guy's good. Nick Madrigal, I think, had like 13 hits in five games there. Yeah. And I was like, this dude is a stud. So glad that he's kind of found his role here and he's playing better. Um But Cade Horton, man, I think – I listened to an interview on the score um, and they talked to his, like, coach at at Oklahoma. (laughs) I just remember they asked him, like, what can we expect from him? And the coach was like, he's a bulldog. He's a hard worker. He wants to be the best pitcher in the world, and he's never going to lose that drive. And that was the end of the answer. And I was like, I saw a lot of that in in Omaha. Let Mm -hmm. me go look at the video. You want a guy that – Can be next to a guy like Justin Steele who's got that fire, who's got that little crazy in him that we love to Mm -hmm. see, that bulldog mentality. Cade Horton is already just carving up hitters in in the minors. As long as we can keep him healthy, as long as we can keep him on the right track, I don't see why he wouldn't be a guy that you give a shot as a September call up this season because we're going to need to eat up innings. We're going to need, if we get into a spot where we're going to have high leverage situations at the end of the year, you throw in a guy who probably doesn't know what he doesn't know. You know, I think we tried it a little bit less leverage with like the Caleb Killians of the world. And, you know, it, it didn't work out the way that we kind of envisioned. But yeah. Cade Horton is a guy who's got easy velo. He's got a good pitch mix. And as long as the moment isn't too big for him, I think he's a guy that can be effective right away. So. That's who I got my eyes on. I think he's a guy who can be a, a, a five to seven year long term starter for us in this rotation. And when you talk about the intangibles and what it really takes to be a, a frontline, middle of the line rotation guy, I think he's got all of those tools already.
0: Yeah, a guy that I've kind of enjoyed watching and we're a little lucky here, Cubs on Tap because uh, co-host of ours, Juice, literally the South Bend Cubs are his neighbor. I don't know <laughs> I if love you've that. ever seen it. He lives in the building that's like owned by the South Bend Cubs in center field. So like literally,
1: hit him up cause I got to go out. You will, you will
0: have to hit him up. Definitely <laughs> hit up juice. I'll, I'll get him in touch with you, but I mean, so we get all this, this, this literal just on the spot. I mean, juice will go to the South Bend Cubs game on a night. He knows he's going to be on Cubs on tap for the first six innings because he gets he gets two free tickets to each game. By Love that! A- it's awesome. That's a sweet um, deal, man. Right? That's what I said. I was like, if I gotta live in South Bend, I'm living in one of them buildings. I want free baseball every night right. during the summer. But like he used to come on and just rave about Horton. He's like, I see why the Cubs drafted this guy where they did yep. because he's he had the stuff. He's got that drive. Like you said, the Cubs just knew they could throw him in the pitch lab and tinker with things and, and get him totally. right. And you've seen it. I mean, four starts at Myrtle Beach. He had a 126 ERA and just video game numbers 21 Ks, four walks. Like, <laughs> gross. Then that'll he goes play. to, yeah, that'll play. And then he goes to South Bend and, yeah, 383 ERA. Maybe it's a little inflated because he throws hard and he gives up some hard contacts, six bombs against him in 11 starts, but 12 walks to 65 strikeouts. And then he goes in in, in his first double A start already he goes four innings, just gives up two hits, doesn't walk anybody, K's six. <laughs> like the guy's been nasty and I'm, I'm excited for him too. Scott's really excited. And this is a guy that I think we could potentially see this year is Ben Brown. Yeah. Um, before the season's over, he's already on the 40 man. It would be an easy call up. I think for the Cubs in, in that aspect, just I again, gotta, like you I said, gotta, throw him I, in I there. And just to see what
1: meet he Ben Brown at, at Cubs convention. Couldn't be a nicer guy. And truthfully, like, I know we've said this a couple times, but maybe like, front office's idea this this go around was like let's get the crazy kind of pitcher dudes because i could tell there's something in ben brown that's like there's might be a screw loose in there in a good way and like yeah that's those are the guys you want though in like the seventh in the eighth Mm -hmm. that that are not going to back away from you know one out runners on first and second like those are the moments where you need those guys in high leverage that are going to throw fastballs by people but also not be afraid to challenge. You know, the thing that you hate most when you're talking about a guy who's young, who's trying to eat innings, who's trying to, you know, shut down some innings late, especially like in a September call-up situation, you don't want him to be scared. You don't want him to be nibbling. You don't want him to be outside of the zone. I think David Ross would tell anyone, I'd rather a guy trust his stuff, go after these hitters, and if they hit him out, they hit him out. Fine. But you can't be a guy who's walking dudes because then you're just adding to the damage. I think Ben Brown is a very, very viable candidate to come up and give us some good innings because similar to Kate Horton, he's got the stuff. He's definitely a guy who's reliable. He's not going to be a guy who's walking a ton of people. So I'd love to see him come up, man. I think he deserves a shot and I think he'll be really good for us.
0: Yeah, Scott agrees with that baseball needs more Zambrano crazy type pitchers. I agree. It's good for the game, man. Everybody loves that guy that's got that tick on the mound, that just absolute knucklehead where you're just like, this dude's nuts, but I love it. And yeah, it's that competitor in them, right, that, that I think the front office is really zeroed in on with pitchers especially is these guys need to have that competitive edge that when you're on the mound, you can go out there and bulldog through a six-inning start for us, like a Justin Steele has. I think Justin Steele's just the – he's the first course of what we're I think going to see with, with pitchers in the future. But yeah, I am right there with you. I, I think, you know, Horton's a guy I'm excited about Casey as well. Um, Ben Brown. I mean, there's a lot of guys that if they put it together, spoiled, they, man. they can have, a time. Spoiled. yeah, it's nice. It's, it's nice having a good team and a good farm system. Yep. It's kind of cool to see both, but Mike final question for you, the Cubs as of today are two and a half out in the NL central behind the Brewers, officially a half game out in the wild card behind the Marlins for the last spot. What do you think? What happens here down the stretch over the next what forty-ish games or so? Um, where
1: where the Cubs sit come October first? I think that I think well, no doubt we'll be right there in the wild card as needed. I we have some more games against the Brewers, which are going to be must wins. Um, but I don't see why Absolutely. this team doesn't win the division. Um, you know, I think we have the easiest strength of schedule coming in in the mm-hmm. National League as long as we can take care of business of the teams that we're supposed to take care of, you know, I think my, my coaches used to say, as long as you can win two out of three, you're probably going to be fine. If you can win those series when, that you're supposed to win. We've got some really, really favorable matchups coming up. We got two with the Sox, I think four with the pirates. And then mm-hmm. we got to play Detroit. Like
0: the Royals are in there the too. Royals
1: are in town. Like you got to beat up on these teams and just show people that you're for real. And that stretch where we won those eight games in a row, Sure, we were playing lesser record competition, but you're talking about your biggest rival, you're talking about your crosstown rival, and you're talking about a team that is definitely underperforming in the Nationals. You take care of business there and show people, all right, we're for real. And then you Mm -hmm. parlay that with taking two out of three from the best team in in the National League, best team in baseball. I don't think we're going to get anybody's like halfway decent games anymore. We've arrived, man. Like People know we're good. People know what we're trying to do. So we're going to get everybody's best shot. We're going to learn a lot in the next 14 days or so because the records on those other sides don't show very much, but we're going to get everybody's best shot. So if we can handle business there, take care of the brewers when we, when we run into them, I don't see why this team can't win the division. I think that they have all the tools as long as we can stay healthy, get people right. There's no reason why this team can't win the division. And then, like I said, I put 25 bucks on them to win the World Series at 61. <laughs> so, obviously, the homer and me came out a little bit, but all you got to do is get in. We've seen it yep. so many times, and it's just like that in sports. The playoffs are the way they are, and they're set up the way they are because we need good stories. And what a story it would be, just get this team in there and see what they can do.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at last season, right? Nobody, nobody penciled in the, the NLCS to be the Phillies and the Padres.
1: I mean, we had just smoked them. We just we, – we basically like put them in there – like basically ended their season. And yeah. as soon as they left here, it was like, all right, it's time to do it. And they went on their run.
0: Yeah. It just goes to show that's the beauty of baseball, right? Because of the, <laughs> the difference the difference in the marathon to then the, the playoff sprint, anything can happen. It's the, who gets hot at the right time. And I'm right there with you. I think they can win the division. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be fun, man. And like you said – a good Blue Jays team this weekend, but then two with the White Sox, another off day baked in on bookends of that Sox series, and then um, you know three with the Royals, three with the Tigers, four with the Pirates, and then I believe it ends with three with the Brewers before their next off day. So um, that's the schedule from here on out. Mike, where can Rob, people can find I ask you? you? Question, brother. Absolutely. What you got for me?
1: All right. Let's say the the stars align, the world is giving us our due. And Shohei says, we're going to sign on the dotted line and play for the C- Chicago Cubs. What's that contract look like? What would you give them?
0: What would I give them? Or what do I think it's going to be? Because I think it might be two different answers.
1: Let's let's do both. I'm very okay. curious, man. I love talking to, to, you know, obviously you guys do a great job at Cubs on tap and I'm always kind of checking out your content. And I think that. If you're a good baseball fan, this is a question that's super fun. So I figured I might is. lob one at you. So I think if I,
0: if I could get him at my perfect dollar value, I'm willing to come to the understanding that you're getting two elite players effectively right. with Shohei Otani, and I think that contract starts with a four. Mm-hmm. What I think he's going to get, it's going to start with a five hundred percent. It's a hundred percent going to start with five. He's <laughs> yep. getting, he's getting minimum 250 million per what he does. Yep. 250 million for the pitcher, 250 million for the, for the slugger. And it's probably going to be closer to three on each of those ends too. So <laughs> there's a world I could see it starting with a six, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, it, it starts with a five. And yep. I think the second number is at least a five, if not higher,
1: <laughs> that's, that's
0: where it is. I, I like it. It's gonna be a lot of money, man. <laughs> that
1: yeah, dude's gonna I mean, be really, really rich. It's it's really fascinating to to I don't I don't remember who tweeted this, but someone tweeted like, "I'm just really happy that I'm alive watching Shohei Otani and doing what he's doing." You know, like we're we're baseball fans. We love the history of baseball, and like, I don't want to hear anything about Babe Ruth. Like, he was playing with waterlogged baseball. Like, I was whatever. playing against Babe Ruth. <laughs> I've never played baseball a day in my life, Mike, and I was playing against Babe Ruth. (laughs) So, so when you see like the most, this is the most talented time in baseball history. I mean, I think it's easy to say that everyone's throwing in the mid nineties. We got guys stealing bases again. You see the athleticism. So, I'm with you, man. I think Shohei demands a five. Um, It's probably closer to five fifty, something like that. Like you said. I just – the thing that makes me so happy, and it could be smoke, it could be mirrors, he's got a friend on the roster, obviously, loves Seah, they're, they're homies that go way back. Yeah. So we'll have a seat at the table. For sure. And I remember having a seat at the table the first time. Absolutely. But this feels like – the the underlying storyline for this season is like, can you prove to a guy who's coming into free agency that you're a legitimate contender – and are committed to winning and that if we don't make the playoffs, if we don't make a deep run in October could be one of the more important things of this entire season. If you can convince Shohei Otani, who's been in a city where they don't have the turnout, they haven't made the playoffs. They haven't made a real serious commitment to building around him. Mm -hmm. You can prove to him that we will go all in We will be a contender. You put us over the top as a contender. Who knows, man? Just having a seat at the table is nice, but having some legitimate reasons why he would be a fit here. If I'm Jed, if I'm Tom, I think they understand the marketability of him. I think they understand what it does to the franchise globally. Mm. Seems like a home run, dude. Like it really feels like you kind of open the door, sit him down, get him a Chicago dog and a beef, (laughs) And then say, you put the number on the piece of paper and we'll give you what you want.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially, too, if this if this is finally the time this this front office and this ownership is willing to spend real money and says, belly, sign on the dotted line, show a sign on the dotted line. It probably costs you a Marcus Stroman. Realistically, let's just call it what it is. But. You know, if you can move a, a potentially a Drew Smiley contract and you bring in another guy who's very serviceable, Tyone's pitching like Tyone should. Yep. Steel's been steel. Maybe, maybe we get a, a taste of a Jordan Wicks or a Ben Brown as a starter next year. Shohei it's himself is a starter coming in too. Like yep. I, that's the beauty of it. God, that would be that would be insanity. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> insanity. Like I, I, I won't know what to say in that episode, if that happens, like <laughs> I'll be sitting here, just dumbfounded, I'll be staring at whoever's on with me and just being like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Like it's, it will, not it won't comprehend if it happens.
1: I think that's the crazy part. It's, it's, it's really funny. I think, you know, my girlfriend always talks and talks crap about me when we're with our buddies. Like sometimes I'll have like dreams that I'm like friends with Justin Fields and like the, the bears yeah, have won the I Super Bowl, whatever. But like the idea that, you know, i've had dreams that shohei is a cub and like think about the the possibilities when you have a guy like him and you put that legitimacy that stamp that like we're going for it every year we're gonna every year that he's here we're going for it how i feel like anyone on the back end of their their career who's still good is gonna be like yeah hell yeah i'm going to play at wrigley field with shohei you know we kind of got a taste of that after 15 it was like all right we'll add some pieces we'll get some vets and we'll really go for this thing and man can you imagine like it's it's almost like the lebron thing like lebron mm. like people want to just go play with him for the veteran minimum like this is to yeah. a different level this is to a way different degree like we're talking about a generational unicorn yeah and like like we've said you know it's very well documented I know the guys at bleacher nation shout out to those guys they they've put out the the stories that we are going to be legitimate, you know, legitimately have a seat at the table here. Like, man, if that can happen, I hope you put me on the show so I can have my mouth open and my jaw on the ground just like everybody else. A-
0: absolutely. We'll definitely get you on for that one, man. Hey, I'll tell you what, like, it really is like it's just one of those things now where you're like, does he want to play in a cookie-cutter stadium like Dodger Stadium or the new Yankee Stadium, or does he does he want to play at Wrigley? It's different. De- it's de- There's a reason that we'd say it's different here because it really is. It really is. It's such a unique environment in the sport, and there's really nothing like it. And that's why the Cubs are the Cubs. And just people got to deal with it. And if they don't (laughs) like it, tough shit. I don't care. (laughs) But, Mike, before we get out of here, buddy, where can people find you and all your great work?
1: Uh, All my handles at Mike Alex Bowling. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Kind of. I don't know what I'm doing on there. I'm just like spewing out bets and they're winning sometimes. So follow me wherever the, the handle is the same. And Ron, I appreciate you reaching out. This has been really yeah, fun. I'm happy to do this anytime you guys do a great job. And appreciate hopefully it, I get to see you around the stadium or, or, yeah. or maybe at a bar or something soon. But I really appreciate it, dude. This is really, really cool.
0: Yeah, man, no, I appreciate you coming back on. We can't have another three-year gap between uh, your appearances here. So we'll, we'll certainly make sure that isn't the case. Hey, man, I'll be uh, – I don't know if you'll be in the neighborhood. I'll be there on uh, the 15th against the Sox, and I'll be there on the 18th against the Royals. So, um,
1: Well, you're in luck, baby. In We're going to have to crack them because I'll be there on, on that Tuesday night. So. Let's go! Crazy yes
0: <laughs> book it we're, we're making it happen i'll be down there early too so if you can get out early i'm off i i, I nothing going on that day at work i'm gonna be in wrigley by like 2 30 in the afternoon hell so yeah I love i'm love i ready hear. i'm ready i'll be there with a buddy we'll absolutely meet up with you man. Let's that'll be it. that'll be a good time but mike before we get out here i gotta remind everybody cubs on tap one or two official cubs podcast for the on tap sports network check out our friends over at Dinger Cubs. I'm slinging microphone cords everywhere now. (laughs) Check out everybody's over at the Diggers Podcast, at Dinger Cubs on social media. We're at Cubbies on tap. I am at Loose on tap. You know the drill. Joey knows nothing. Juice on tap. At Nick underscore on tap. Teddy Fred do 70. Bulls guy Rob. The guys do a great job. Again, follow Mike as well, at Mike Alex Bowling uh, on all the socials. Follow us for all your great Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks. You know the drill. And Cubs fans, we all got friends that unfortunately like that terrible franchise on the other side of town. Send your friends to our friends so they can all be friends and sad together over at Sox on tap as the boys do a great job. Unfortunately, just covering a terrible baseball team uh, (laughs) in the Chicago White Sox. Onsidesports.com and Onsidesports.com. We're going to check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Mike. It was a pleasure, buddy. I know you haven't been on in a while, but we always get out of here with a classic. We call it the FTC for those that don't want to swear on the show. Uh, It stands for fuck the Cardinals. That's how we get out of here always. So
1: you you got one for us? I would be honored, man. Fuck the Cardinals. Let's go. and Let's go, Cubbies, baby.